Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. What's up, gents? My name is Charlie Ungemach, and you are listening to an episode of the Gird Up Broadcast. Now, the dudes are going to join me in just a minute, and we got a lot of great content coming your way. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up Project here. All of our content at Gird Up is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way. But we also have to rely then upon the contributions of our listeners to do so. You'll never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at Gird Up. That being said, it does cost us money to put a show like this together. So if you find what we're doing here valuable and you enjoy the broadcast and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu, and select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going and it helps us reach and minister to many more men just like you. Hope you enjoy the broadcast today. Let's get to it. You're listening to the Thanksgiving episode of the Gird Up Podcast 2023. Yeah, so obviously we're going to enjoy ourselves now. We're drinking a bunch of lineys. So what do you have in your hand there? I got a honey lemon light. Honey lemon light. And you've got the peach. Got the juicy peach. Yep. I've got the uh, the light beer. Oh, no, the honey lemon light. And then we've got sunset wheat. And there's some uh, toasted Bach, I think is the That's other what one. I've got. Woo-hoo, absolutely delicious. So... Yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, we've got Jacob Klug in chair number two today. Uh, you guys have met Jacob before a couple of times. He's been on a broadcast a few times. What's up, Jacob? How's it going, man? Uh, living the dream. I'm excited. It's a good night. We're on break. It's Thanksgiving. It's finally break. Very, very exciting. Blessings are flowing. Absolutely. And then we got three newbies. Three guys that have never been on a podcast before sitting with us here. Uh, let's start with you, Sean. His name's Sean Marone. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um... My name is Sean Marone. I, I grew up in Southern California. Um, after after I graduated high school, I joined the Marines and I spent a lot of time there. Um, eventually, I decided that, you know, I wanted to give this pastor thing a try. Went to MLC and and now I'm here at the seminary. Um, yeah. Did, so um, obviously, you're at a Lutheran seminary. Did you grow up Lutheran? I did not grow up Lutheran. I grew up uh, non-denominational, and it turned into a lot of just nothing, honestly. Um, I didn't really go to church very often, and uh, thankfully my wife uh, forced me to go to church, <laughs> forced me to go to a Lutheran church, and the rest is kind of history. Were you like looking when you met your wife or like for a church, or was that more a she's going, so I'm going to go kind of situation? It was absolutely she's going, so I'm going to go. Um, actually, the first time we went in there, uh, everyone was really nice, um, but it was just not what I was used to. Uh, it was a mission church that had been there for about 10 years in North, uh, North Carolina, and they were kind of struggling as a church, and they rolled right from service into a budget meeting talking <laughs> about how the church is going under and offerings aren't enough. 
so I got in the car. I'm like, yeah, this is a sinking, a sinking ship. You know, we're, we shouldn't go here anymore. And my wife said, no. <laughs> so uh, we kept going, and uh, God's word is powerful and effective. And your wife was also in the military, right? Yes, she's in the Army, the National okay. Guard. Awesome. And you're a musician, too? Yes. What do you play? I played saxophone in the Marines, um, but I don't really play it anymore. It kind of got old for me, but I do keep playing guitar. Um, guitar has always been fun for me. Awesome. So what was it that finally then brought you like, hey, I'm going to go back. I mean, it's no small commitment to move to Minnesota and then Wisconsin and go back to school, right? So what was it that finally was that draw for you? Like, hey, we're going to go back to school. I'm going to become a pastor. So for me, it was the installation. I had uh, I had become a member of the Wells Church there. Um, I, I, I finally started hearing about God's grace for me, about... Uh, just and and when I say grace, I, I wanted to find that as like an undeserved gift from God, um, the grace of His gospel, which is that there's nothing nothing at all that I need to do to earn salvation. It's all been done for me. Um, it was the first time I'd ever heard that, and it was great. And uh, we called a new pastor, uh, Pastor Doug Lang, and it was during his installation. Wait, Doug Lang was your pastor? Really? A Doug Lang. Oh, it's a different Doug Lang. <clears throat> yeah, a different one than okay. the one at MLC. <laughs> but he was being installed, and the whole installation service was all about how it has nothing to do, like God's message, God's gospel, the treasure of it has nothing to do with the person. It has nothing to do with the pastor. I mean, we pastors have gifts, but uh, it's that's not the reason that the message is good. You know, the message stands on its own, and it's not about the person. And it was during his installation that I realized that God's grace is sufficient also for me to be a pastor. And uh, I spent about four years thinking about that and decided to take the plunge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, I think that was probably the biggest struggle for me, um, deciding to come back and try to go back to school also, was that idea that I've disqualified myself from such a role. Right, and the idea that uh, Jesus, Jesus died for people just like me, right? Um, and everybody's just like me. That one of the quotes from a podcast we did a couple of weeks ago was, um, "It's okay to be in the boat with Peter and and John," right? So when the when the when when the storms raging and the boat's shaking and they're freaking out and they see Jesus walking on the water and they don't believe, it's okay to be in the boat with with Peter and John. They turned out okay, and God did some pretty cool work through them, and He can do the same thing. Can do the same thing with you. Like you're not disqualifying yourself by being a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, very cool. Um, you said you're married. How long have you been married? It'll be ten years on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. All right, we'll talk about that in a second then. Sure. And you got you got a couple of kids too. I do. I have two children. Um, I have a daughter. Her name's Anna. She's six. Um, She's incredibly smart um, and sometimes too smart. And then my, my boy is Jonah. He's four years old and uh, he's just everything you would expect a four-year-old boy to be. Uh, full of energy. Uh, he's either happy or he's mad and uh, there's never a dull moment. Awesome. 
Absolutely awesome. Cool. Well, welcome, Sean. Glad to have you on the show. It's exciting. Now, we see, the problem with a podcast like this is we have too many interesting people, right? So, Chris, you are no less interesting than Sean, <laughs> right? Um, so, we got Sean Marone, and next to him on the couch here, Chris Deans, <laughs> also known to the MLC world as Tex. Yeah. yeah. So you don't like being called Tex, though, huh? No, actually, I don't mind at all. It kind you of takes me all? back to, to okay. college, so. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, Tex is on the couch with us. Tex, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so name is Christopher Dean, originally from Edna, Texas. Does everybody in Texas have two first names? <laughs> Not everybody, but a lot of people. <laughs> Do some have three? A lot. So like my cousin's What's name your middle is name? John Ross. Oh, Ryan. Yeah, so you like got Chris three Ryan. first names. Yeah. Chris Ryan Dean. <laughs> well, here's the thing. My, a nurse gave me my middle name. Really? At the hospital. Your mother That's didn't give fun. you... How they that? were just sitting there like, oh, we got Chris, but like, what else can we put? <laughs> Was the nurse's name Ryan or something? No, she's like, Ryan sounds good. And they're like, all right, put it down. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, yeah, you went to MLC. We, we were classmates. We played football. Well, we weren't classmates. Mm-hmm. We played football together at MLC. Um, then what? Yeah, so um, went to public school my entire life. Heard about MLC my senior year. Decided to give it a chat, chance. Went up there for four years. Was not ready for the cold, but... <laughs> got through it somehow right graduated that first november football game is a little rough isn't it well they told me the, the first winter they said it's it was the coldest winter in 37 years or something like that like i could have gone the entire time not knowing that but it is what it is right so graduated did friends of china for one year went to Hangzhou, china um met a lot of great people did a lot of good work very difficult in some ways but it's a good opportunity a blessing then after that Went back to Edna, Texas to do intervention work at a school, which is fun as well, but a different challenge, right? Um, and then after that, I got a call to serve in Mahawal, Mexico. So if you're familiar, it's about an hour and a half away from Chetumal, or the Belizean border. I was there for three years. I was teaching, doing staff ministry work, and yeah, it was a great time. I learned a lot down there as well. Then went back to Texas this past year and was with my local congregation, my local pastor, before coming up here. I'm curious, as a public school kid, um, and, like obviously you were involved in church and, and things, right? Yeah. Um, but what, what same questions that I, that I, that I asked Sean, like what, what is it that says like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go give this thing a shot up in Minnesota? Yeah, that's a great question. I would have to say, to be like fully upfront and honest, my dad passed away when I was 14. And my pastor at the time really kind of came through for me. And got me out of a bad place. And I was like, wow, if I could do this for somebody else, that'd be pretty great. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. I think it's worth going up there. And But yeah, no, it was a kind of a culture shock. Obviously, the weather was different. So there was a lot of challenges to it. But that was kind of the mentality I went into it with. And also for me, it was like an adventure because I was never outside of the state of Texas before. So it was a fun time. Yeah. And I'll, I'm just going to get a little closer to the microphone. Yeah. Get, oh, perfect. Okay, talk a little more. <laughs> yeah, so... Before going to Minnesota, that was my first time outside of Texas, and for me, it really was just like an adventure. What position did you play at MLC? I was inside linebacker. Yeah, all four years. He's an excellent inside linebacker. How many sacks? Appreciate that. So sacks weren't really the best thing on my sheet. I had a good amount of tackles, but I think sacks maybe like three. Okay, okay so you only had one more sack than I did. <clears throat> oh, look at what? that. Well, I can't remember. Were you mostly offense or defense back at MLC? Uh, I played D-tackle. 
that's right. Yeah, when we played together, I was playing D tackle. I played two years uh, offensive line and hated it. Yeah, and then uh, switched to defense. And then that first year, it, like it was, it's a it's a tough transition. It like is. it's not as easy as you think it would be. And then uh, yeah, did all right like the whole first half of the season, and then broke a couple of fingers and things didn't. <laughs> it's hard to play D line with broken fingers. So oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, but D line's yeah. fun though, right? Oh, I, mean, I love it. I love yeah. it. Just go downhill. <laughs> just go downhill just fly to the ball yep i love it awesome um so you are now in the milwaukee area what are you doing up here yeah just drove up three weeks ago i started a new job with lighthouse so i'm a site director for our polonia campus and just opened up this week actually we had open house on tuesday and now we're back open and yeah things are going well what what tell us a little about lighthouse what is lighthouse what are you doing yeah so lighthouse i'm gonna try my best with this but um it's like an after school program where kids after school they can come in and it's a safe environment for anybody and kids from ages 10 to 18 they have a safe place to be to learn about jesus get help with their homework and we challenge them in different ways too right but also to have time to you know just have fun and make friends with other kids that are there awesome those are the main things yeah yeah cool very very cool well welcome to wisconsin and welcome welcome to the podcast and then over here we got our western boy Yeah. I can't believe you're making me follow them because I'm going to be so much more lame than them. <laughs> Should have started out with you, huh? So you're, you're telling me you're not very interesting. Is that what you're saying? Not as interesting as like going to a bunch of different countries and having kids and stuff. But All right, Well, your name's Ben Schwartz. Yes, I'm Ben Schwartz. I am another junior here at seminary. I was born in the UP of Michigan, uh, but I was raised in Bremerton, Washington, big Navy military community an hour across water from Seattle. So awesome. Yeah. And you're training to be a pastor. I am. Yeah, I went to like Lutheran grade school, high school, MLC, now sem the whole nine, I guess, but I had a pastor I have a pastor as a dad and a teacher as a mom. So they kind of they didn't force us into ministry, but they always did a good job of pointing out our gifts and encouraging us to to pursue ministry so haven't turned back yet so yeah awesome uh you you uh you said you haven't turned back yet so you must be at least kind of enjoying the experience huh for sure yeah um going into mlc i mean you kind of have the pastor or the teacher options um and i was kind of 50 50 between the two i am a big history fan um, unless i have to write a paper about history <laughs> then i'm not a big fan Are you spending the next day two days writing a paper too Yes, I am. I just don't have any books for that paper. So that could make it kind of interesting, but we'll see what happens. So, but I heard that uh, it was easier to go to teacher track from pastor track than vice versa. So I started pastor track and besides getting my butt kicked by the languages, I, I love it. So, so you'd say you're not a language guy? Not as much as many of my peers know. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the same camp. I don't dislike the languages, but they are a struggle. Now, Sean, you do all right with the Greek, right? I do really well. Yes, I do really well with both uh, Greek and Hebrew. Which do you like better? I think I prefer Hebrew. I'm with you. Hebrew's fun. But I don't know. every sentence is verb, subject, object. And so you just know what's coming. Here, here. It's definitely a lot easier in that regard. Yeah, I def I find Hebrew easier than than Greek for sure. But then I'm also the guy where we'll be translating Hebrew, and I'll pop over the Septuagint and start reading the Hebrew and Greek, just to see 
if there's anything else interesting there. God bless the nerds. It's fun God if you, you can do nerds. that with the Vulgate, too, when you're in Psalms, especially. Just put them all up on your screen, and you can see how the Latin does it, and how the Hebrew does it, and how the Greek does it. I'm far away. Sorry. There you go. Maybe I moved it. My bad. Is that yeah. better? Yeah. Okay. So um, one of the so one of the struggles with Hebrew is that like especially for the Psalms and things we just don't understand Hebrew poetry, right? Um, <laughs> but the translations often are a lot more poetic. Is that true in all the different languages? I'm curious. What do you mean by we don't understand? Um, so like when you just take the Hebrew and translate it into English, it doesn't look like poetry anymore, right? Yeah. And so for example. Like Psalm 23, I think, is an example a lot of people would recognize of the verbiage changing, kind of. Um, and, and they're trying to make it beautiful and poetic, um, but it really doesn't match. I mean, the content-wise, it matches. But as far as the way the sentences are structured and those kinds of things, it's, it's really not the same. Is that also true in the in the Latin Vulgate or in the, in the Greek Septuagint? Well, yeah, with Hebrew being like a Semitic language and the way it's structured, it's completely different from Greek or latin which they're kind of like cousins if you will but with with hebrew like for some 119 is a really good example of something you can't see in english or greek or latin or anything else because it's an acrostic poem so some 119 the first verses are all they all start with a or aleph and then the next one is the b letter and c and down down the list but you can't you can't produce that in the spelling, let alone you, you can't you can't really see how the vocabulary is connected in in the same way at all. So, yeah, interesting. It's fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. All right, awesome. Well, welcome everybody. This, like I said, Thanksgiving podcast. Got to make sure we know everybody before we start. So, um, awesome. It's, I'm so excited to have you guys here. I, I'm I'm excited to hear you guys all talk about uh, everything from your own perspectives because we have a really wide and exciting variety. Of perspectives in the room at the moment which is really cool uh so first thing we got to talk about though is uh, we got to do a little reflection on the year right so you can't get to thanksgiving especially for the church year. the church year resets right um so for most of us i mean it's kind of resetting uh the calendar also just because of the fact that we're going to school and and so on and so forth and we're gonna do a cool little uh, advent series with um Isaiah Duff, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, and Jacob, and that'll be fun. Uh, but it really is, this is really the last true podcast of the year. We said, we'll do a Christmas one as well. Uh, but it's, I, I'm, I, I, I love Thanksgiving. I think one of the things that we maybe have lost sight of with Thanksgiving itself is the fact that it's supposed to be an opportunity to reflect on the things we ought to be thankful for, right? Um, and so that's, that's the question I'm going to ask all you guys. Um, what's the best thing that has happened to you this year? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start um, and just say actually finally being at the seminary and finding out. I had high expectations, but finding out that it's actually um, it's a far different experience than I expected, but even better, even better than I imagined, both as far as the brotherhood. I kind of rolled my eyes at uh, when everybody, t- everybody talks about brotherhood all the time, it, especially in our culture. I think in Christian culture, we throw that terminology around like, oh, it's the brotherhood. And there is no, there is no, per, like, it's not a perfect culture, right? Um, but uh, I'm discovering more and more and more just how much the people around me have my back, both professors and fellow students and so forth. Um, and I am falling in love more than ever with my Savior and with the study of his word and the work that I that I hopefully will be able to do someday as a, as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel. And that, by far, 
that by far is the best thing that's happened to me this year, for sure. So what you got? What's the best thing that's happened to you um, yeah, since last Thanksgiving? It, it could be it could be since last Thanksgiving. It doesn't have to be 2023. So for me, what it was was preaching during Holy Week. I was a vicar last year, and when you when you serve full time, uh, I'm sure all of you know this from your different experiences. But when you're working full time, you realize that um, you maybe aren't up to the task in several ways, and and this for me became very obvious in in preaching. I mean, it's a challenge for one thing, but you're also just not worthy who who is worthy to handle the things of god i mean god makes us worthy but really no nobody and then you do that for easter you preach for in my case for monday thursday and then um sunrise service and it's just so it was, it was moving it's humbling and um a very special special experience i'm very thankful for it do you remember what you preached on for any of those services yeah so for sunrise service i preached on the easter account and I, I focused on the women and specifically mary magdalene and the trauma of the event so to, to to watch one of your best friends go through the mistrial and the crucifixion and all the rest i talked about how unsettled she was before she meets jesus in the garden and um that was that was kind of fun to explore awesome what is it that because you hear people talk about it especially if you've chatted with pastors you hear them talk a lot about preaching on easter and how special that is right what is, what is it that makes easter such a special day to preach part of it is the build-up right like you're preparing all lent and then after that you've got the special services of the week you know you've got palm sunday and thursday and friday and then you've got all the prep for your easter evangelism or outreach got the meal and then it's it's the high festival of the year it's, it is the christian celebration right and and you, you so you go through friday and you, you see your sin and you see the grace of, of god and then you get to celebrate i mean just to 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 drink that in very fully as you deal with the text yourself as you deal with people preparing to serve as you deal with the prospects you're hoping to connect with and, and to tell the truth to um, it's just a rapid succession of meaningful interactions all at once, and you're 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 neck deep in the text because you're you're doing extra sermons, you know, for the months leading up. So that's how I'd capture it. Awesome, cool, Sean. What's the best thing that's happened to you this year? You know, uh, this last year has been really hard for me. I was thinking about it. Um, we were living in the Dominican Republic. We moved back. And since moving back, it just seems like there's been just one negative thing after another. Um, but my wife was always there by my side, and my God was always with me. And somehow, inexplicably, we have pulled through every situation. And uh, the one that I want to share is this. His name is Doug. Uh, my family, we were driving through South Dakota, and we broke down in the middle of nowhere in our camper van. And we got a tow to like a local shop and the person who was there was very kind to us. Uh, they let us stay in the sharp, the, the yard in front of the, the shop. Uh, they invited us into their house to feed us dinner. Uh, but uh, 
and they got they got the the van fixed up and we we started going down the road and we broke down a second time in pier south dakota and pier south dakota this town that has maybe five auto repair shops <laughs> um and not very many people all the auto repair shops were booked out about three weeks to a month so there's nowhere no one who could who could actually look at our van and uh one of the guys, uh, his name is Doug, like I said, he had helped tow us from the side of the road to the first repair shop. He's like, hey, here's my card. If you need anything, just let me know. And uh, I was at my wit's end. I didn't know what we were going to do. We were four hours away from Aberdeen, where my father-in-law lives. And he was willing to come get us, but his truck's not big enough to tow us. And a tow bill for four hours is a pretty costly matter. And I called up Doug. And I said, hey, Doug, I know that this is a lot to ask. Can you give me a tow to Aberdeen, South Dakota, three and a half hours away? And he said, yes. And he did it. And he wouldn't accept any money from me. Um, he just did it all the kindness of his heart. Um, and because he knew a little bit about me, he was also a military veteran. He was also a Christian. Um, we got to talk a lot about his faith and the different struggles that God had put in his life and how his faith had helped him overcome those. And uh, we really kind of had a bond going, and he was definitely a blessing this year. Awesome. So shout out to Doug. Cool. Do you, have you been able to like keep up with Doug at all? Do you still, or was it just kind of a hit one and done? I think it was just, yeah, like a one and done. But, uh, but especially after thinking about it and doing this podcast, I, I'm going to give him a call. Um, yeah. over the next couple of days that's awesome now is that that big white van you drive to school every day it is awesome so well, why don't you tell us a little bit about that uh it was a van we we bought it in california the idea was was to road trip over here and i, I just kind of wanted something that uh, i could pack up take my family out camping for a weekend and because we're really busy here at the seminary <laughs> yes we um, are. but and the seminary is important uh <laughs> and but my family, for me, sometimes needs to be more important. Um, there's always going to be uh, a competition, and I think it's kind of the struggle as people who are in ministry um, have to face. Is you know, I have a congregation and I have these souls that I'm shepherding, but then I also have a family that needs me to be a husband, that needs me to be a father. Um, this was just one of the ways that I thought that I could help them out. That's awesome. It also just looks cool. It does. It looks, <laughs> it so, looks cool. so cool. <laughs> yeah, it is the coolest car in a parking lot by far. Yeah, there's some dude with a souped-up Ford Focus. Doesn't even he'll tell you it's the coolest. It is nothing compared to your van, man. That thing is awesome. Very, very cool. So you guys road trip from California all the way up to Minnesota. We did, and we took the scenic route too. We we hit up a bunch of national parks. Got to see the Grand Canyon and uh, Zion and Utah. The uh, what is it? The Black Hills and Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. That's awesome. Cool. Your kids are having so many cool experiences, too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very cool. Chris, what's the best thing that's happened to you this year? Yeah, so I was thinking about it. Moving back up to your view with your buddy Charlie. Eh? Of course. I don't <laughs> want to say it right away, but, you know. No, honestly, for me, it was being back in Texas for that year, this past year, and also being able to work with my local pastor and congregation. That was really cool. He's like, how many people can say they did that, right? Wait, you were living... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. What were you going to say? You were living above a nursing home, right? <laughs> Is that true? 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. An assisted living home, okay? <laughs> and there's a story behind that. That was where they put the vicars back in the day. That was the connection of the church that they had. And they said, hey, this is a pretty good deal. And it really was. It was like three bedrooms. And I did not need that much space. But yeah, so technically I was living above an assisted living home. That's awesome. Yeah. So what did you do? Like, what were you doing at your local congregation? Yeah, so um, they had me mostly work with the Spanish congregation. So I was doing visits, um, teaching ESL. And then also I was leading our 20 and 30s group at the time. And then, yeah, some other stuff here and there, you know, kind of comes with ministry. But those were the main three. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. It was really kind of full circle for me in a lot of ways because we had, like, my 10-year high school reunion. I saw all my buddies from high school that I hadn't mm-hmm. seen in, like, you know, like 10 years pretty much. Right. (laughs) And it was just really cool. I kind of needed it after going from so many different places after Minnesota. That was good to touch base with my family. First Thanksgiving being back with them last year. Right. So that was fun too. Oh, probably in like four or five years, huh? Yeah. It was a while. Cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Awesome. And are you settling in up here now? Yeah. I'm still waiting to move into my apartment. But God willing, in the next two weeks, that'll be taken care of. There we go. So, yeah. An early Christmas present, a place to live. There you go. Cool? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Cool. Awesome. Schwartzy, what's the best thing that's happened to you this year? I don't know why I started calling you Schwartzy today. I think that that's the coolest. That's the best thing that's happened to you this year is you have a new nickname. It's all right. Some people have called me worse. So... (laughs) Same here, bro. Same here. I'll take what I can get. I mean, besides you taking the obvious one, just coming to seminary, getting that experience, and looking forward to the rest um, that we have in store still, I think uh, getting a new job alongside SEM has been super rewarding for me. Not that I had anything against my old jobs, but um, this semester I've been working at Above the Clouds, which is pretty similar to Lighthouse. It's free um, after school like classes, fine arts classes, ballet classes, martial arts for um, inner city kids from all over the Milwaukee area. So we have some people coming from like Germantown and others coming from like North Avenue. So pretty much the whole range. And yeah, being able to give them just even just a five minute devotion, telling them about Jesus, uh, because you, while Above the Clouds is nominally Christian, you never really know how much Jesus to kids here outside of what you're giving them. So being able to be maybe the only source of the gospel they hear during the week is, uh, it's a privilege. And I think it's, it's very humbling and also like empowering for me to make sure I do a good job and also to, uh, yeah, just never take it for granted. That's so, cool. It's been really fun. Somebody, uh, you were not at dinner the other day, and somebody had to get a dinner for you, and uh, somebody asked why, like, where, why hasn't Ben at dinner? And the answer was just, oh, he's at ballet class. <laughs> and it blew my mind. I was like, that's, I didn't know Ben dances. Like, that's so cool. And they're like, no, 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 no. He's just doing devotion. So, that is what yeah. it is. I yeah. was a little bit disappointed to find out that you aren't, that you aren't a dancer. Are you a dancer? No, no. not at all. Uh, yeah. Chaplain Calvin and I, we... <laughs> We definitely leave the teaching to the teachers, and they are, like, very qualified teachers as well. There was um, a hip-hop class that was canceled this week um, because the teacher is um, an instructor for the, like, hip-hop troupe for the Milwaukee Bucks. So she had to actually travel to, I think, consult on someone else's hip-hop teaching. That's awesome. Yeah, there's there's some crazy stuff, but... 
the teachers definitely have it high on their priority list to take time out of their day to come come teach the kids and have fun. So very, it's cool to see. Very cool. Did you seek that opportunity out, or was that one that kind of found you? Yeah, uh, Wanda Escobar. Has he been on the podcast? A while ago, not okay. this year. Yeah, so he was approached by uh, Block Chol and Noah Satorius, who are vickering now, because uh, they kind of flagship the program. Um, I guess the Wells's foot in the door is uh, through the chaplains in schools system. Um, so Paul Steinberg, who is a coordinator of a lot of different uh, chaplains that are in inner city schools that aren't uh, Wells, uh, he kind of built the program through Noah and Block. And then when they left for Vicar Year, they approached Wanda and said, hey, do you want to do it? And do you know someone else who wants to as well? And initially Wanda said yes, but um, he already had a commitment. So he found out pretty quick that trying to juggle both of those would <laughs> would not work. So he he gave it to me. And while I was a bit razzled at first, I'm like, who else would want to do this? Um, I kind of found Kelvin right away and he's like, let's do it. So it was kind of daunting at first. And of course, the first day we're down at the Greater Life Center in in the inner city, uh, Kelvin's car gets lifted and totaled. Uh, so that was that was a bit of a hey, welcome. You know, all of the all of the above above the clouds people were freaked out. They're they're like there there's no way these white kids are gonna come back in and you know come and do anything else. But it was kind of like a double down moment for us where we're like, you know, this is this is an opportunity still, and it's it's really cool. So it's been very rewarding. Awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Very, very cool. Do you have any like best moments so far, like favorite things that have happened? Hmm. Besides Kelvin's car getting stolen. <laughs> yeah, I guess. He got a new car, though. Did you see that? He had a, he did. a new Ford Focus. Just so. got a new one, yeah. Now I get to talk to him about the gas money he owes <laughs> me. But <laughs> um, Besides giving the little devotions to the kids, our other two jobs are well, I guess maybe three. One of them is kind of watching the door and making sure that the uh, often like female and younger um, instructors get to their cars safely at night, as well as the kids getting to their uh, vehicles. And we also get to mingle with the parents who stay and just kind of chill out while while their kids are in class. So it's cool to talk with them and engage with them a little bit. Um, but our third job is to, we have a big call list and we just kind of, cold call all the all the families because when they enroll their kids they are basically forced to put down a contact and a number uh so we call them and see if we can reach out with any like additional physical resources because with a lot of different churches and people from those churches involved in the program there's tons of food banks and clothing drives and all that sort of stuff uh so we kind of call out call them see if they need any any physical things, also any spiritual things, uh, a chance to advertise our EFT church, um, or also just pray for them, which is cool. I've I've been working on my on-the-spot prayer game because I'll be like, do you want me to pray about something for you right now? And I haven't had someone say no yet. So wow. yeah, there's a lot, whether it's people praying for housing stability or a loved one that is sick, that sort of thing. Um, but it's interesting looking at that call list and seeing whose name they write down because oftentimes it's not remotely close to the last name that the kid has. Um, sometimes they're just like dead numbers or people who were upset that we had their number. Um, but it's, I mean, it's kind of a 
an eye-opening thing to kind of see that we have an opportunity to bring some uh, spiritual and also physical stability to to people that really need it. So very very cool. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you guys are a fascinating bunch. This is awesome. This is a great crew of guys <laughs> to have together. Cool. All right, so we're gonna jump into um, the readings for. The holiday services on Thanksgiving. So whether you go to Thanksgiving church or not, which, of course, we would encourage you to go to church either on Wednesday or Thursday and uh, give thanks to God um, for the blessings in your own life. Um, but we are going to help you prepare for those worship services by kind of going through um, what you're going to hear in the readings while you are there. So our first reading comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, does one of you guys mind reading that uh, reading that one? I know I didn't prep you for uh, for reading out loud, but... I can take it. Okay, awesome. Go it's ahead. It's a short one, so I'll take that <laughs> one. So this is Second Samuel seven eighteen to 22. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is the instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise, and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our own ears. Awesome. Awesome. I don't know about you guys, uh, but the phrase that was kind of revolving through my mind was, but by the grace of God, go I, right? Um, like who, obviously David says, who am I? Um, and there's, I don't know, I definitely have asked myself that a few times, <laughs> especially during the, uh, especially during the schooling we've done for uh, 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 leading up to the seminary, now the first year of the seminary, but um, definitely had a few of those who am I moments. Um, but I think just as often I have those, uh, like, I recognize how blessed I am when I see some of the struggles other people have going on. Uh, whether it's people, like, I've done a, a, a fair, I mean, I taught in the, in the hood for six, for six years, too. So I've seen some of the things that, that, that you're talking about, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also just, like, uh, the cool opportunities that we get sometimes. It's just like, who, like... Why me? Why me? Right? I think, I think maybe this should have been my best thing of the year. Um, but like a couple of months ago, we had a guy from who oh, I'm gonna get the country wrong. I think Kenya. A guy from Kenya reached out. I was like, "Hey, been listening to the podcast. Um, we want to, and I've got a group of people worshiping together in my house, and we ha- are having a hard time finding." Um, like a church to be connected with because all the churches around us are bad. Like they teach bad things. You know, can you get us connected? I was like, yeah, I, I absolutely. Yeah. And, and because of the resources that the, that our synod has because of the tell app and a couple of the things that we've talked about, like they, they're now worshiping, uh, with a, with a, uh, good Lutheran church body, which is super cool that like a, a church on the other side of the world, um, it's not that it got started because of the podcast, but, but that we were able to do that kind of work with a with a podcast that we do. I mean, we're sitting in a dorm room in Mequon, you know, and uh, the uh, um, like the last three years we've been recording podcasts in my rundown 
like, apartment in New Ulm, like literally with bats in the walls, and uh, like the heater didn't work. Like it was, it was just, it was a dump, right? And we're we're reaching people with the gospel all over the world, and you can't help but go like, who who am I? Yeah. Why is why are you choosing to bless this Lord? Um, yeah, I don't. It's wild. Super cool thing. Thinking about like why are you choosing to bless this Lord? David mentions in 21, he says, You've made your promise known according to your heart, right? according from your goodness. You brought all this goodness to me. And then he says, To make your servant know it. And this may not be exactly what he means, but I was thinking, like, maybe in part, like, God's doing this just for David's reaction, like, just so he can be in awe. Like, yes, this is good for David and his household. It's good for Israel. It's good for the eventual, you know, the line of the Savior and for all Christians. But, like, some of this, I can't help but think, but this is just God wanting to see the surprise and the joy and the thanks on David's face. It's like when you go buy your girlfriend flowers just to see her reaction, right? Like, just to cherish her joy. Like, that's a super cool thing, and I, I have to have to think that's included in the reasons why God's doing this and why he blesses us. <laughs> yeah, I, the other thing you think about is who is David, right? I think about David's origin story, if you will, right? He's um, not only not only is his family not a family of kings, but he's the least in his family, right? When, when uh, Samuel goes to a, go anoint the new king, they don't even invite him to the party that the anointing is going to happen. They have to go out and bring him in from the field because his family's like, no, well, obviously it's not him, right? Yeah. And so you go from being the least in the in your own family, and your family is really nothing of importance, to then being the king of Israel. And um, by the end of David's life, and especially as he's looking forward to the beginning of Solomon's reign, a kingdom on the rise, and God has promised him that he's going to continue to establish that kingdom as well. So not only does he become king, but he becomes quite a king mm-hmm. um, along the way. And uh, this is fairly early on in in David's reign. Um, so it's before some of the craziness that happens afterwards, right? The sleeping with Bathsheba and the rebellion of his son and all that. Mm-hmm. But he's still a shepherd boy from the hills. He's still yeah. nobody. Right, who has become a somebody not by his own merit, but simply by the grace of God. Staggering. Absolutely staggering. And it's cool because verse 19, you see David say, and yet this was a small thing in your eyes. Like <laughs> the, the turmoil that David faced, both being Saul's champion and then flipping it and Saul trying to kill him multiple times, and his kind of unlikely rise to the throne from being a shepherd boy, like you said, but he still humbles himself and he recognizes that God has a lot more power than that. And yeah, he, he kind of says, I'm not actually a big deal, which is crazy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, we forget how big God is, right? Yeah. Um, how often do we, how often for, for personally, I find myself far too often going like, look, <laughs> Not, I, I won't actually say, Lord, if you can, because at this point, I'm, I think I'm mature enough in my faith that when I do say something like that, I immediately go like, well, think again, buddy, God, he can, right? Um, but there's still that little piece in the back of my mind of like, am I too broken? Am I too messed up for you to use me? Am I, 
you know, have I dis? I think I said this earlier. Have I disqualified myself from this, from this mm-hmm. blessing? Like whether it's um, a healthy relationship, whether it's being a pastor, whether like, whatever it is, there's that little piece in the back of my head. It's like, come on, I really screwed this up. Like, am I? Can you really? Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. Well, I just kind of think about like my background and stuff. Like I never thought I would have done even like a quarter of the stuff God gave me the the chance to do. Right. But I don't know. It's just, it's all him, right? Like looking at what you guys were saying about David and all this and that, like I could not have planned out what I've done so far and like all the cool stuff I've gotten to see and like through all of the hardships and all those, you know, bad things that we face to see him do his thing. You know I mean? He pulls through a hundred percent of the time and to realize like, okay, he's running the show. I get to be a part of it and that's it. And from your viewpoint, it's mountains moving, right? Yeah. But like David said, it's a small thing. It's a small thing, yeah. It's nothing to him. Right. He's just, you know, making something. Yeah, Which exactly. is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so to be a part of that, that's so cool, right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Anybody got anything else to throw on there? I mean, it's, it's she's just so boldly praising God. There's almost, there's only, almost kind of only so much you can say because... His mercy and his grace are just so big, right? Yeah. I love it. Isaiah awesome. says we're like grass, and then God makes us glory. You know, We're like grass, and God makes us glory. I dig it. I dig it. The other thing, like, verse 21, too, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness. So, I mean, David knows it's not because of him. Yep. David knows that he is not by in any way responsible or qualified or whatever it might be. David knows that this is only the grace of God. That's a cool thing. Awesome. Cool. All right. I'm a little nervous about this, but I'm excited. It's going to be good. <laughs> the next thing on the item list here is Thanksgiving hot takes. All right. So there are plenty of things to be debated about Thanksgiving. There's plenty of things we can debate about at Thanksgiving. One thing that's not up for debate is the fact that nobody cares if the Cowboys are playing on national TV. Nobody cares. Yeah, so I got to speak no up s- against that. I'm sorry, but like for whoever is listening, Charlie sends out this list of what we're going to talk about, right? And for this section, Thanksgiving hot takes, he puts an example. Nobody wants to watch the Cowboys play. And I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? So, I mean, you're expecting me to say something to this. I mean, right? Am I right, though? Oh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't defend it too much because the last time we won a Super Bowl, I was like five months old, you know? So we haven't been doing too well. But my counter to that would be most people do like to watch the Cowboys on Thanksgiving because if we lose, people enjoy that. <laughs> that is a good point, actually. Right? Yeah, people do enjoy watching the Cowboys lose. So there's that. Yeah. I, I mean, do. watching the Lions lose, you're just like, oh, yeah, look at that. They're they the lose. Lions. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're winning now, but. Yeah, yeah. they're good nowadays. Yeah. But, uh, nah, yeah, watching the Cowboys lose, actually, that's true. Watching the Cowboys lose probably makes a lot of people's day, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too thrilled about that, uh, but yeah, it yeah. is what it is. The one I'm going to throw out there, at least my first one I'm going to throw out there, is that cranberries are disgusting. And I do Second. not, I, especially like the cranberry jelly thing yes. that comes out of the can. It is, for some reason, it's like a Thanksgiving, like yeah. the cranberry jello. It's a Thanksgiving staple. 
everybody's just pretending to like it. I'm convinced of it. That's, Nobody that's actually my, likes it. That's my everybody's favorite thing. Just pre- you're oh, pretending. Yeah, it's man. literally no, the best I part. I refuse like, to believe it. There's nothing it doesn't refuse, go with. It goes oh, with the entire place. It doesn't even go with itself. It's, it's yeah. the worst. It's just bitter, gelatinous goop. Like, unless you have, like, a UTI, I can't see anybody justifying eating that. And I don't have those too. very often. And I never have one on the holidays. So, You need new taste buds. <laughs> it's the best part. Because you've got, the like, all the savory food. And then you've got this nice, like, sweet and bitter cranberry sauce. It's like the dessert before the pie. It's so good. More for y'all. I'm with you, Jacob. I'm with you all day. Thanks, Ben. Mm, do you like cranberries in general? Yeah, I love cranberries. Oh, see, maybe that's part of it. So it's two against two right now, but... Sean, you got to weigh in. Yep. Cranberries Be the tie no breaker. cranberries? I've never been a fan of cranberries. That's what I'm Thank talking you. about. Thank you. Majority wins. You guys are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. More for us. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. What you guys got? Thanksgiving hot I So I was thinking about this, and I, for one, am... Definitely a ham guy over turkey, which I think some people might argue, but that's not really what's at issue here. Then I was thinking, and I'm like, there's really something missing. Like, a big reason I like ham better, like, my family's always been a ham on uh, Christmas, ham on Easter, uh, ham and turkey on Thanksgiving. But what's missing on Thanksgiving, I think, are the cheesy potatoes, and that could be my my Midwesternness speaking, but... Then I'm like, there, there really is no cheese on like the traditional Thanksgiving plate, and it's just, it's missing. Where's, where's the cheese? I don't know. Cheese? When you say cheesy potatoes, what do you mean? See, that's Ooh. a good question. There's a couple definitions. Like funeral potatoes. Ooh. Funeral it, potatoes are good. I won't, I won't dare say that anything touches the level that funeral potatoes hit. But <laughs> my mom makes like a whole Nesco full of. Uh, she used to do hash browned, but now she does like diced potatoes with uh, some magical blend of like cheese, uh, sour cream. I think she puts some cream of chicken soup in there as well, and some garlic. I always put more garlic salt on, but it's it's a staple. There you go. All and right. Thanksgiving doesn't have it. Can we go back for a second and not act like we said funeral potatoes as if that's something that everyone knows? You don't know, funeral, you don't know funeral potatoes? No, I've never heard of this. It's like those, they're like cute potatoes, and help me out, they're like cute potatoes with Philadelphia cream cheese. Cream and, of chicken soup yeah. or, or cream of mushroom. Yeah, and they, they're literally called, like type into Google funeral potatoes, and it's a thing. Like they're they're just called funeral potatoes. All right, I'll have to try it. It's out. Ama- yeah. Well, you're gonna be a, if you're gonna be a pastor, you're gonna see funeral potatoes sooner or later, and a lot of times they're served cold too. Um, corn flakes on top. Yep, corn flakes on top. And so I, th- I think the reason I don't know this for sure, but I think the reason that they became popular as funeral potatoes is that like you can prepare them ahead of time, and then no matter how long the funeral and and the wake and everything take, there's you can still serve them, you know, with like rolls and ham or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, they, they're, they're real and they're delicious. They're absolutely delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Not like an everyday eater, but absolutely delicious. Um, you also said you guys eat ham at Thanksgiving. So usually for Thanksgiving, um, at least when I was in Washington, we would have some friends over. So multiple proteins was kind of like a bring whatever you want and it's like oh there's a there's another protein here another protein there but i'm a big fan of like mixing things together so i love like 
putting your ham or your turkey on a roll with some stuffing, making a little sandwich or a slider, like that sort of thing. So with different people bringing different things, it's you get a new one every year. There so, you go. Yeah. Now, we, we've eaten ham for like th- for Christmas and Easter probably my whole, like pretty pretty often. Not always, but pretty often. But Thanksgiving turkey just, in my mind, it just can't. There's nothing like Thanksgiving turkey. You guys do th- turkey? Chris, yeah. what do you do down in Texas? Uh, a couple times we fried it. Had fried turkey. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, turkey's okay for me. I'm not like super like, oh, we have to have turkey. But I've had ham before, so both are okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys turkey people? Turkey and ham. Turkey and ham. Yeah. We got like two that. turkey like and that. ham. Okay. Turkey. The, the thing about the ham, too, is you can make ham gravy and then put that on your turkey. Ooh. And it's great. Mm. Okay. I have to elevate that. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> it's really good. It's like That's very salty. It's it's great. It's fantastic. Oh. All right. You guys do cheesy. What about cheesy potatoes? You guys do cheesy potatoes? Got to. Yeah, we do. Yeah. What are your che- so down in Texas? So like cheesy potatoes yeah. up here are like mashed potatoes with like sour cream and all kinds of stuff in them, and then mm-hmm. tons of salt, of course, and yeah. like three sticks of butter, and then cheddar cheese on top. Is that what you guys do down south? Pretty much the same. It might be a little different, but that's like the same idea. Here's the other question. Uh, Sweet potatoes or yams? I don't like either. You don't like either? Nope. Not even the marshmallows can save them. No? No? What what about, you guys do marshmallows or nuts on top of your sweet potatoes? Marshmallows. 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 Yams. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, traditionally our family's done marshmallows, but the nuts aren't bad. Actually, down in the cafeteria, fairly often, she's got the sweet potatoes with like... um, walnuts on them that's pretty good pretty good the other day she had it with apple in it yeah that was really good yeah yeah with what what was it, was it pork chops she was serving them with it might even be chicken no i think that was different no that it was, was the shredded turkey yeah. shredded turkey oh that's right yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it was a thanksgiving mm-hmm. meal yeah it was good it was very very good so tasty all right anybody got another hot take i've got one go ahead the best event on thanksgiving is not the Macy's Day Parade or the football game, it's the pumpkin chunkin' contest. <laughs> Do you know what this is? I've heard of it. So it, it used to air on Science Channel. Now you've got to find it on YouTube. But pumpkin chunkin' is a pumpkin launching contest that they do in Moab, Utah, or there's one in Delaware. And so they, they launch these like really compact, thick-shelled pumpkins out of catapults and trebuchets and... <laughs> Giant air cannons. Oh, there you go. And so, like, the record for the larger, the farthest pumpkin launch by Trebuchet is... Which is like a catapult, right? Yeah, so a, a It's cat- like one of those that, like, flings... Yeah, like so a, a Trebuchet powered. uses counterweight yeah. and okay, gravity. Yeah. A catapult uses tension like a like right. a slingshot. Um, so for adult Trebuchet, it's 3,733 feet. What? That's like three miles, isn't it? No, feet, not meters. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Wait, isn't isn't a mile 1,370 feet? No, 5,280. Uh, okay. 1,700 is meters. How was I that far meters. off? Meters. How was I that far off? 
You're what, the one that was a teacher. Uh, what does that have to do with it? <laughs> That's, you make a valid point, actually. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. That was it's bad. Okay. We, we can edit that out, right? No, I, mean, I don't. I'm not editing. I don't edit my own foolishness. So you think oh. that was impressive, but the largest shot from an air cannon is 5,545 feet. Isn't that like a mile? It's like two miles, right? <laughs> <laughs> They put like wings on it. How how do they get it that far? It's got to be a massive air cannon. Yeah. So they yeah. they take like um like giant propane containers and then retrofit them on like a trailer, and then put these you know giant barrels on them. They launch them at you know forty seven degrees or whatever. And and um the the cannons are so powerful that if you put too much psi on the pumpkin or on the uh, in the barrel and then release it with the butterfly valve you will get what they call pumpkin pie and it will it will destroy the pumpkin like you can just obliterate the pumpkin with air pressure if you're not careful so you've got to yeah. play this this game and this is what they they breed pumpkins for this oh gosh a- anyways it's, you could have said grow yeah. think about the <laughs> <laughs> i could have think about the amount of money people are investing in this like pump everything from Building yes. these machines to pumpkin husbandry, like everything involved, <laughs> that is wild. It's a commitment. It is a huge commitment. Yeah, and it's the That's best thing awesome. every Thanksgiving. And do do you watch it live? Okay. Yeah, I'm shocked no one else does. Too busy wow. watching the Cowboys. Sorry. I will now. Yeah. Do any of you guys run like a turkey 5K or anything like that? No, nah, I've never run anything over a mile in my <laughs> life. You couldn't pay me. You, you really can shoot cannot. a pumpkin farther than you can run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the moment, I think that's probably true for most of us. Well, yeah. no, you're. You see, you're in shape, aren't you, Sean? I am. Not right now, <laughs> <laughs> but I have been. You're a triathlon Same. guy, right? Yeah, I really enjoy triathlon. Okay, you're not doing one over Thanksgiving though. No, not this year. You don't do like actually. A I didn't think trot. about it, but I've done turkey trots. They're fun. Now, last year we were giving Gustav a hard time because he was like talking about all the different things that his family does. Like they go out and they do like a full family workout before their Thanksgiving dinner. Like we're lucky if we're all awake by nine a.m. and kind of get get going, you know. Yeah. So awesome. No more uh, things. Any, any more Thanksgiving hot takes? I don't know if this counts. Okay. Because this is really the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. Just because it's the day after Thanksgiving. You don't have to start decorating for Christmas. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You can wait like a few days still. Right. My heart hurts. <laughs> <laughs> wait, really, Charlie? Uh, dude, I, I love Christmas so much. Okay. See, I don't know if it's healthy how much I love Christmas. And it's always a little bit of a letdown. Probably down. not. Yeah. I, and, and I didn't. I mean, I've always enjoyed Christmas like since I was a kid. When I really got like big Christmas all the time kind of stuff when I was, when I was teaching kids especially in first and second grade. And so like my the idea was I'm going to give them the Christmas experience most of them aren't having at home, you know, where they they're getting excited, they're getting presents, they're understanding all like the the whole Christian side of Thanksgiving as well, not Thanksgiving or I mean, okay, let me clarify. Christmas is about Christ. So there isn't a Christmas side or oh I can't believe I have a podcast. Okay, it's not. You can do it. I'm trying. Three miles. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the internet should just chew me up and spit me out, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
I so Christ obviously is everything for Christmas. But a lot of the kids from the hood never don't really get that, right. and they don't really get like the American Christmas experience. So I made Christmas a huge deal at school, so that they'd get a little bit of a taste of, of what's going on, uh, of what Christmas really ought to be as a Christian festival, right? Um, and so, because it is a huge deal, and we make a big deal about Easter, so we made a big deal about about Christmas also, um, and that's when I really started getting into like wearing christmas themed clothing and things like that and i'm not i okay <laughs> uh, don't be hating chris don't be hating i've got like a whole bunch of christmas ties i do have i don't wear any uh, see okay we need uh, i i have a different christmas shirt for every day of the week and then some so every day of the week every day so i have nine different christmas shirts yeah and then and, and most some of them are gaudy but they're not like old man gaudy right they're tasteful they're tasteful and then mm-hmm, i have yeah. i have my i have a christmas tie collection which does not suffer in quality compared to my tie collection for the rest of the year and i'm very proud of that my christmas shirts are gaudy and and ridiculous i get i i'm on board for that but my christmas ties are high quality and tasteful i promise well, you They're dress good. up like Yukon Cornelius like every day. I know. I'm especially rocking the flannel today. But it made, made me feel better that you guys are both wearing flannels too. So, yeah, rocking the flannels today. It's but. Rudolph every every week. So, are you? do you do like December 1st or do you just not oh, think yeah. about it? I, I say December. That has to yeah. be it. Okay. But it's a very unpopular opinion in my house. <laughs> I think I'm the only one with you it. You get overruled. <laughs> Do you, are you guys putting up like Christmas lights and all that kind of stuff too? We we do every year, yeah. The, That's uh, awesome. Have they ever tried to like put them up before Halloween? So in the Dominican, they don't <laughs> they don't do oh, Thanksgiving, suppose. right? Because yeah. it's I it's suppose. a very American yes. holiday. Yeah. So all the Christmas lights start in that. Actually, they don't even really do Halloween. It starts before yeah. Halloween. Oh my goodness! Wow. I, I saw a documentary about that, uh, um, was it the Philippines, I think? They start Christmas in, like, September and celebrate it all the way through, ja- like, the end of January. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. Thanksgiving is our, it's the wall that's holding it all back. Thank goodness yeah. for Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> See, I'm th- from the day after, not on Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving until Epiphany, I'm Christmas, right? But then... I don't do Christmas the rest of the year. I don't listen to Christmas music. I don't do any... Like, there's no... Chris, well, we used to do, like, Christmas in July, but only for one day, right? When we were kids, we would do it for one day, and then that was it, right? And so, I do kind of go all out for Christmas, and I love the Christmas season, but I also don't drag it out all year long, either. I'm with you. I'm, I, I actually... I'm, I'm with you as far as not Christmas before Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving deserves to be its own holiday. All right. Okay. I don't know. Cool. Awesome. By the way, what uh, we haven't really talked about Thanksgiving. Are you going back to Washington? I am not. I have relatives in Appleton, so I'm waiting for my younger sister, Natalie, to finish her classes at MATC on Tuesday, and then we're going to drive up. So, Awesome. Cool. Cool. And you said you got uh, family coming up for Thanksgiving, Sean? Yeah, my in-laws are coming out. So my father-in-law... <laughs> His wife, um, and then my sister-in-law, Erica, they're all coming out, and they'll be staying with us. That's awesome. It's going to be a full house. It should be. I think 
I think it ends up kind of evening out because uh, kids are a lot of work. <laughs> so then having some extra adults around, oh, I suppose. even though you have more adults around Hot potato. to to like prepare meals for and to, to spend time with, you also have someone else there to watch your kids. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. Jacob, you're fairly local. You're hanging out with your family for Christmas? Yeah, I'll be home several days, but the house is full with my sister and brother-in-law, and then we have a student teacher living oh, with, yeah. with us right now, and then... Um, one of my brother-in-law's friends is also staying, so I'm actually gonna stay at Sam at night and then just drive home during the during the days throughout the week because awesome. it's 20 minutes. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Okay, awesome. Now, um, obviously, Thanksgiving, like you just said, is an American holiday, um, and there are Thanksgiving days in other places around the world, but not at the end of November, right? And, and like you said, it's kind of the bookend of the holiday season. It's that first. That first bookend of the holiday season, um, but it was not always that way. Um, so it be it was established as a national holiday every year after uh, World War II. Um, but obviously, we have the first Thanksgiving that we always talk about, which is kind of controversial, which I don't think should be. But that's all different conversation for a different podcast and a different day. <laughs> haven't done enough. Haven't done enough research for that. <laughs> we did kind of get after that a little bit last year. Uh, talk about the the actual first Thanksgiving. Uh, and regardless of what happened after the first Thanksgiving, because things did happen after the first Thanksgiving, that first Thanksgiving was a proper celebration and everybody was friends. I'm just going to put that out there. But obviously it wasn't just a continual celebration every year all the way through um, all of American history. Um, so there was a Thanksgiving declaration made during the Revolutionary War. And then um, Abraham Lincoln um, made a Thanksgiving declaration um, at the end or middle of the Civil War. So, Jacob, you the one that did a little bit of research on this. Um, we're going to read in a couple of minutes um, Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation. Uh, but you want to give us a little background on it before we get started? Yeah, so uh, it sounds like he was still kind of reflecting on Gettysburg and on, on the war. And um, after the war was coming to a close, he wanted to have kind of a, a thankful holiday and remembrance of that. That's combined with the Celebrate Thanksgiving movement. Um, a bunch of women from New York City and some places like Philadelphia were having a write-in write um, like contest or movement to convince President Lincoln to start the national holiday. This was led by Sarah jo jo Josephia Hale. She's the one who wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb. Oh, okay. Um, and some other like children's books. <laughs> yeah, and she was like... A little more. more? Yeah, there you go. Sorry. There we go. How's that? That's perfect. All right. Um, she was the editor of a big ladies magazine. So all these women were writing in to Link Lincoln saying, we have to have a Thanksgiving holiday. And then he kind of with those two things in mind, made this decree and decided it would be the fourth or last um, Thursday in November. Awesome. And what what year is this? 1863. Okay, so, so not so quite not the with, end of the year. But with war, the victory close. of Gettysburg yeah. in mind. Yeah. Yes. So awfully close mm -hmm. to the end of the year. war. Okay. Awesome. All right, so that very first Thanksgiving... Uh, maybe not very first Thanksgiving. <laughs> so the Thanksgiving uh, proclamation that Abraham Lincoln 
um, put out says the following. It has pleased Almighty God to prolong our national life another year, defending us with his guardian care against the unfriendly designs from abroad and vouchsafing to us in his mercy many and signal victories over the enemy who is of our own household. It is. It has also pleased our Heavenly Father to favor us as well, our citizens in their homes as our soldiers in their camps and our sailors on the rivers and seas with unusual health. He has largely augmented our free population by emancipation and immigration, while he has opened to us new sources of wealth and crowned the labor of our working men in every department of industry and with abundant rewards. Moreover, he has been pleased to animate and inspire our minds and hearts with fortitude, courage, and resolution sufficient for the great trial of civil war into which we have been brought by our adherence as a nation to the cause of freedom and humanity, and to afford us with reasonable hopes of an ultimate and happy deliverance from all our dangers and afflictions. Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do hereby appoint and set apart the last Thursday in November next... Uh, as a day which I desire to be observed by all my fellow citizens, wherever they then be, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to God Almighty, the, benef the ben beneficent creator and ruler of the universe. And I do further recommend by my fellow citizens aforesaid that on that occasion they do reverently and humble the they do reverently humble themselves in the dust and from thence offer up penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony throughout the land, which it has pleased him to assign as a dwelling place for ourselves and for our posterity throughout all generations. In testimony whereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed." Done at the city of Washington this 20th day of October, A.D. 1864, and the independence of the United States, the 89th, Abraham Lincoln. Okay, not to get into these weeds, but imagine one of the last couple of presidents we've had <laughs> making a speech like this. There's a uh, lot of big words in there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he is a very eloquent man. Nobody talks like that anymore. Vouch the yeah. thing. Vouchsafing, yeah, and talking about God vouchsafing us too, yeah, it's a it's, it's a wild thing. There is absolutely no denying. Cause every once in a while, somebody will try and play that game of like, well, Thanksgiving isn't really a Christian holiday. There is no doubt reading this document, um, what they were all about. Right, this is very clearly Thanksgiving to God. Right. Um, the other thing that is is really shocking is, um, in my mind. Um, I, it, there is a little bit of a political political jargon, right? Of like, hey, things are going great, and maybe they weren't going as great as you know, it, like. There's always that little question in the back of your mind, as like, it's as a politician saying how wonderful things are, right? Um, but at the same time, you're in like this kind of bizarre moment as a country, um, where like th things haven't been great over the last several years, uh, and yet you're still you're still making that that decree of a Thanksgiving day. That's striking to me. I don't know. Maybe I know I'm not saying anything profound, but that, that that's that that's striking to me. Um, anything stick out to you guys as you're as you're kind of going through a, this declaration? He pulls the King of Nineveh move. He's King like, of Nineveh. Nineveh. Yeah, everyone needs to get in the dust and repent 
and offer up prayers to God. That's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Hmm. And it makes very clear what God he's talking about too. Yeah. But um like the the I've never heard anybody refer to God as the great disposer of events before, but it's accurate. And there's no doubt reading through this that he's talking about the Christian God also, which is cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, so um, I think it's easy in our political culture at the moment to be, and granted I just made a president joke, right? Um, I think it's really easy for us to sit back and be frustrated um, with what we've got going on and going into an election year next year also. Um, it is, frankly, a, maybe worrying maybe isn't quite the right word, um, but it certainly is something that's on the minds of a lot of people, um, and it does certainly cloud the way that we think about our country. Um, but I think sometimes we forget, too, how difficult the past has been. Um, and how the challenges that have faced us in the past have impacted what's going on right now, too. Um, and the idea that things as I don't want to say bad, because things aren't all bad at the moment. As challenging as things are at the moment, and especially on a political scene, I would make the argument they're not worse than they have been at other moments in history either, especially when you consider the Civil War. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Our, our nation still is a is a massive blessing to us. Um, do you guys think it's appropriate uh, to... Uh, we're all future pastors, right? Um, we're going to have... We're going to... Oh, sorry, except for Chris. <laughs> but you are a called worker. Yeah. Right? Um, is it... Do you think it's appropriate um, to bring... Not, I'm not bringing politics, but on Thanksgiving, are you guys going to talk about our nation? Um, or are you just talking about things we should be thankful for God for outside of our nation? What do you think? I guess I think there's kind of like an inherent nation angle into Thanksgiving because, I mean, we are kind of the like forerunners of at least having it at the end of November and that sort of thing. And a lot of us are ignorant enough to think that we're the only country that does it as well uh, <laughs> just because we don't know some of the other countries that do, but, you know, I I think you kind of think of like, God bless our native land and some other hymns that kind of apply to maybe both a July 4th and a Thanksgiving sort of uh, service. And I think people are going to kind of maybe have that doubt in the back of their mind, like, should I be thankful about the government right now or what's going on right now? Um, So I think it's kind of floating around out there, whether or not we dive into it deeply or we just kind of let it float I think is up to us and up to what is best for people to make sure they don't stray too far into the weeds but I mean it is it is a good point to be thankful for God's providence and his providence for us through political leaders and governments as well so I think both you guys have spent significant amount of time outside the country right um, and, and you're a military veteran too, so I'm also curious to hear. Well, I mean, and you're from Texas, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, particularly from a, from a serviceman's standpoint, also, um, we dedicate a lot of talk to the freedoms we enjoy. Um, having been outside the country pretty significantly, 
Um, do you have any? Do you have anything to say to the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans? Yeah, as Americans, uh, we're just really blessed. Um, that's not to say that people in other countries aren't. Uh, I, I noticed uh, just in general there was a lot of great. There's a lot of things in the Dominican that were better than they are here, um, but not everything was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Dominican, they're still a Christian nation. Uh, one cool thing was is you could walk down the street and you strike up a conversation with someone, and the assumption is just that they're Christian um, until you're told otherwise, and no one's going to get offended by that. I, I kind of think in the United States, it's almost the opposite um, right now. Uh, but yeah, we have religious freedom here. We have the ability to talk. We have the ability to to be involved in politics. And maybe we have some corruption in our government, but nothing like they have down there. Um, <laughs> we have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah. No, you can't even like criticize the Chinese government when I was there or anything. Like kind of going to what you're saying, like we can at least, we have freedom of speech, right? And um makes a huge difference. I remember I was sitting down with like four Chinese people and we were talking and someone got onto the topic of like, you know, the Chinese government. And then the guy said, well, I'm a member of the party, so we shouldn't talk about this. And that was that, you know? And I mean, they monitor everything. And then, so we have so many things here that other people don't. And Mexico's kind of come a long way, but yeah, if, if I had to pick between having our government versus theirs, I'd still pick ours. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes because we've been cluttered this with, with this idea that we live in a Christian nation, I think, um, when people see the resistance, frankly, that Christianity is facing in our nation, they, they're intimidated by that or taken aback by it. But the reality is the more you learn about our nation's history, especially like we've been uh, – J- Jacob put me on to the Brief History of Power podcast mm-hmm. back, and people are probably getting annoyed with me talking about it now. But it's an excellent podcast. And a while back – well, not even that long ago. In the last couple of months, um, Dr. Kuntz – has been talking about American history a little bit more. And one of the things he was talking about was Pennsylvania and how a lot of times in Christian um, in Christian literature and kind of Christian American history books, um, we hold Pennsylvania and the, the establishment of the Pennsylvania colony, excuse me, of the Pennsylvania colony is this like bastion for Christianity um, and how there's this fresh start in a new place with all this freedom and everything was wonderful and everything was good. Like they were, first of all, already battling with each other. The moment they got to American shores, uh, about like what religious freedom looks like and who gets to be in power. And, um, the, if you're familiar with the term wasp, uh, the white, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants have always been the ruling class in our nation, even before it was a nation because they were also the ruling class overseas and we, we kind of forget about all of those pieces that come together. And the United States was not a fresh start from a religious perspective. What it is, is the opportunity to practice religion as you please. And that's why all these people groups were coming to the United States, including a significant number of pagans. Um, and including a significant number of um, people that were members of churches that, like, they were, they were the weirdos that weren't welcome in society in Europe. And from some, I mean, as Lutherans and Protestants ourselves, um, we, we don't really scoff at that. But the reason why you have some of these really 
frankly kind of wild denominations in the United States. Everything from like the snake churches um, to <laughs> so, like the really liberal end of like Pentecostalism and some of that Quakers. kind of stuff. The Quakers yeah. are a good historic example too. The like Mennonites and Amish, right? We have these really fringe groups, which the, frankly it is a little bit bizarre, right? Um, and uh, I was sorry, just about to do Amish people listen to podcasts. They probably do. I mean, they, they don't shun all technology. I'm sure there's some that do. Not they're not listening to this. I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe the Mennonites. They were down in <clears throat> in Mexico. I mean, they're here too, right? But um, so, for example, they'd have loopholes for stuff like, oh, I can't drive this truck, but my my Mexican friend can, or I can use <laughs> my Mexican friend can call somebody for me. So maybe they do, but I'm yeah, just, I don't know. Maybe they do. Like, can you, can you buy this phone and then open it up? Yeah. And <laughs> click right. on that for me. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so like what we have in the United States is not a Christian nation. It's a nation where you can practice religion as you please. And that is the blessing that we ought to celebrate and do celebrate and can continue to celebrate, no matter how weird things get, at least for the foreseeable future, that right is protected. Now, you can look at Canada, and you can look at the UK, and some of these other places around where those rights are being taken away, and that is a true and present danger in our American society at the moment. But we are still a long way from that happening, and like Sean said, we have a significant role to play in whether or not that does actually happen. Um, I think the backside of that, though, also is it is not our duty as Christians to evangelize for the sake of changing culture. The culture will change the more people love Jesus, but that is not the reason why we evangelize. And I think sometimes we lose track of that a little bit, too. Yeah. Like that, even like we flippantly say, like, oh, y'all need Jesus, right? And it's kind of a joke, and it is true, but the underlying kind of truth to that, not truth, that's not the right word, the underlying theme to that is, oh, if you knew Jesus, things would be better. Um, and also might be true, but that's not the reason why we share the gospel, right? That's that's prosperity gospel waiting to blossom, right? Some of the, like, America's a Christian nation stuff comes, like, post-Cold War, it's we need to mobilize the the Christian voting blocks and give them purpose. And so, like, I think it's 1953. I could be wrong by a year or two, but that's when In God We Trust gets put on the money. Like, this is, the, this is kind of like an anti-communist rally thing where the Christian nation against the USSR. And so some, well, some of that's just what we, what we inherited rather than an authentic Christian nation, if you will. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think Dean Otto said in history class that the, at the time of the Revolutionary War, America was something like 10% Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh. and again, perhaps this isn't quite the right way to say it, and maybe somebody would argue with me. The important thing isn't that we have a Christian nation. The important thing as Americans is that we maintain our freedom to practice our religion as we choose, as we see fit. Yeah. And right now we can, and that's a tremendous thing to be thankful for. Cool. Awesome. I never actually read that before, so it's kind of cool to read the, the proclamation that made that made uh, Thanksgiving come to exist as we know it. 
Very cool. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump into the epistle reading then from Philippians 4, verses 4 <clears throat> through 9. Anybody volunteer to read that one? I can read that All one. All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received, you have heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Awesome. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. How is that? <laughs> How is that possible? How do we rejoice always? This is, uh, in Greek, it's a, oh shoot. <laughs> what do you call it when you make somebody do something? Imperative. Imperative, thank you. That's how good I am at Greek. That was a joke. That's not good. Anyway, it's an imperative, right? It's something you're... It's a directive. It's a plural directive. Shut up. That <laughs> silence, though. That was great. Yeah, I thought it was funny, kind of. No. What's worse, the joke or your Greek? Uh, probably. Or measurement. Honestly, I would like to think the joke, but my Greek's not great. <laughs> okay, anyway... Um, it's an imperative. It's a plural imperative, right? The people of God should be constantly rejoicing. Uh, what is it that makes us constantly rejoice? Do we? Should we? Why should we? You know, I struggle with this for a while because, I mean, when stuff happens, stuff happens. When bad things are going on, it's hard to say. Rejoice, right? Be joyful. Um, but I come to see that, like, after the end of a hard day with whatever thing that happened, you know, maybe some kid, some parent, um, some congregation member, you know, kind of rubbed you the wrong way or something, you know, whatever. But, like, to be able to, to know that God's in control, that it's all going to work out at the end, it's good to have in the grand scheme of things. So that's kind of where I'm at with that right now. But... You know, talk to me on any given day and it might. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point, right? It's like not every day is going to be this big high where I just right. like give this throaty roar of joy towards, yeah. towards heaven. And don't fake it either, right? Like, I mean, be truthful about what you're feeling and, you know, stay positive and with God. But yeah, I don't know. There's a lot that could be said about that. So what do you think, Sean? So as, as I think about rejoicing always, especially this time of year with my anniversary com- coming up, um, our wedding verse that our pastor had selected for us was from the book of Job. And it, it comes right after Job has lost everything and he's just sitting in the ashes in the ruin of his life and his wife comes up to him and says, are you still going to believe in God? You know, what are you doing? And he says, should we accept the good from God and not the bad? Mm-hmm. God is good. He he gives us, and, and good and bad come into our lives. 
um, and we can just take it all in and, and trust in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, pastor was kind of talking. About, pastor was kind of talking about this at uh, church today, right? The idea that even in the worst of moments, you know, the the mercy of God still reigns supreme. And the the hard things are opportunities for the gospel, as he meant in the sermon. It was about the three men in the fiery furnace, and how their willingness to accept their fate, yeah, if you will, their fate given by God, provided an opportunity when when God did save them to to proclaim the name of the Lord. The right. king was impressed. Well, and that acceptance of the fate is exactly where the joy comes from, right? Like, what's the worst that can happen? I haven't said this for a while, but I used to say it every once in a while, especially when I was in the hood. Um, it was like, worst day ever, right? What's the worst day ever? Like, somebody, if I get the snot kicked out of me, right? Somebody shoots at me. Somebody yells at me and stresses me out. Like, whatever it is. The worst thing that can happen to me is my life gets a little bit shorter. But what happens at the end of my life? It's a sweet release where I get to go be with my Savior for eternity. So the worst day ever on this earth, at least from my perspective, right? I don't know what it's like to have a wife and kids and things, so maybe worst day ever wouldn't be my own self being harmed, right? But worst day, worst day I can imagine, like where my body's falling apart, you know, eventually lose my life, is kind of the best day ever because I get to go be with my Savior. And that perspective is something which is foolishness to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard in a practical sense, right? Um, I, don't, I find myself more and more often, um, frankly, just like asking my Savior to take me home. You know what I mean? And glad to have another day of life. But then also just genuinely say, like, Lord, quickly come. And it's, and it's not because I have this like negative view of the world. It's not because I think everything's going to crap. It's not because I don't think the Lord can use me, whatever it is. If he chooses to give me another day of breath, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to serve him. But at the same time, I see my own like glaring weaknesses. I see my own inability to do what I want to do, to do that which is good. And I see... Um, Frankly, a life ahead of me where I know I'm going to have to continue to struggle against sin and temptation. Um, my, I, I'm only 31, but like my body, I, I, there's just things that hurt. You know, <laughs> shut up, Chris. <laughs> you know, but I'm you know sorry. what I mean. There's sorry. just things that like I, I'm I'm 31 and things already hurt. What if I live to be 90? Like it's going to be rough. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm not looking forward to that, and. You put all those things together, and there's just moments where I go, Lord, take me home. You know, because that is the ultimate joy. That is the ultimate thing to look forward to. And that is why we ultimately rejoice, yeah. is that we have something <clears throat> to look forward to. Yeah. Cool. Are you familiar with the hymn, When Peace Like a River? Yeah. That's a good one. So, yeah. the. Uh, just because you talked about, you know, the worst day ever and what could happen to your family. And rejoice always. And, and the story of the man who wrote that hymn and what happened right before it is outstanding. Uh, just a shout of what it means for a Christian to rejoice in the face of just what would anyone else would just cause him to collapse, cause him to shut down. Um, Do you know what the... 
what, what is the story behind so that? the story is is that uh he sent his wife and his two daughters ahead of him uh to go to europe and he stayed back to work and there was a shipwreck that that took place and uh, he get, received a telegram uh one day and it just said survived alone from his wife and so then he had to sail across to europe to meet up with his wife and as they were passing over the spot where he lost his children um he was just struck with inspiration and instead of writing something about how god was not good to him instead he decides to write when peace like a river um and just give joy and thanksgiving to god over the spot where he lost his children um this man just a bastion of faith in a dark world Oof. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, the first line is when peace like a river attendeth my way, that's pretty good. But the rest of it is kind of like not as good, right? Like when sorrows like sea billows roll and it's just like, oh, that doesn't sound that happy anymore. But he still says thou hast taught me to pray it it's well, right? Yeah. Whatever my lot. Mm-hmm. Whatever my lot you have taught me to pray it is well. Knowing the story makes something more out of when sea billows roll. Yeah. So I'm getting emotional talking about it. This is kind of crazy. I didn't expect that. We can go outside if you want. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, whatever my lot that has taught me to say. It almost harkens back, uh, like I, the, the thoughts of the garden, right? What, whatever. Whatever your will is, let it be done. Um, if, if there's any other way, right? Um, and uh, when Christ says, "Come follow me," He doesn't say, "Come follow me," you know, in some areas and not others. He says, "Take up your cross." And uh, He's not for some of His followers. It was a literal cross, um, but it's not a completely a metaphor, right? There's there's going to be a lot of death and a lot of loss involved in that too. Um, but what a wonderful, what a wonderful blessing that I know with certainty what will happen, right? Oh man, that's tough. I like it. Cool. I also think it's interesting that, uh, he finished, this is Paul writing, right? Philippians, that's Paul, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that Paul ends this by then outlining what will a thankful Christian do? Right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, so he doesn't just say rejoice; he also then says, "All right, in your rejoicing, here's what you will be and what you will do." It's a tall task. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of imperatives where you know <clears throat> we don't always rejoice in the Lord, and we don't always. Think about whatever is true, honor, honorable, noble. But I like verse seven, kind of sandwiched right in the middle, in the midst of all of these, like try to do this, try to do this, and where we know we fall short. Still says the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. It's not hinging on what we do; it's just there. Yeah, yeah, it's not an imperative, just a statement of fact. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Cool, awesome thing to think about on Thanksgiving. Um, jumping forward, I personally am a big movie guy, right? So when I have time off, I always enjoy watching a movie or two. And so I'm curious, 
what you guys think are the best movies to watch the like Thanksgiving, day after Thanksgiving. You're letting the turkey settle in, you know, you've eaten yourself into comatose. You're turning on the TV, the Cowboys have lost, things are settling down for the <laughs> evening. <waiting>. This is... <laughs> what movies are you guys watching over Thanksgiving? No movies? I mean, yeah, but I feel like y'all got better movies than me. Oh, dude, come on. No. What you got? Okay, I'll start them off, okay? <laughs> I'll start them off. You, for, for me, the perfect way to start, so that perfect segue, that transition between Thanksgiving and the Christmas season we were talking about earlier, right, is the movie Miracle on 34th Street because the first scene of the movie is the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And then it goes right into the, the Christmas season. So when we were kids, we would wake up the day after Thanksgiving on that Friday, and we would watch um, Miracle on 34th Street and then mm-hmm. set up the Christmas tree, which we always had a, an artificial Christmas tree. So then like you had to put the tree together. you know, <laughs> And it wouldn't always get decorated that day, but you'd yeah. always put it together. Right? So I think that, I mean, that's a great, first of all, great movie, especially the, the old one's good. The new one, like the remake that was made in the 90s, is absolutely excellent. Like, great music, great soundtrack, great storyline. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but it starts on Thanksgiving, so it's a good, it's a good like, segue between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. That's good. Hmm. Never seen it. Well, I'm it's sorry. time. <laughs> it's time, Chris. I'll watch it. We're going to yeah. make you cultured yet. No. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't put that on me. <laughs> What do you guys think? What are you watching over this? Uh, anybody? Did you guys watch uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving? You guys Peanut fans? Yeah, I like that one. You like that one? I've seen it enough times. Yeah, it's a good good Thanksgiving plate. What is it? Toast, popcorn, jelly beans, pretzels. When mm-hmm. I it, when I was a second grade teacher, I we still we would it. do a we would do a Thanksgiving <laughs> feast every year. And it would be those items. Yeah, so we would watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and have our own Thanksgiving feast. It would be toast, like tapioca pudding, you know. Uh, Candy corn, popcorn, and pretzels, or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, candy corn. Are you a candy corn guy? No. No. Candy corn is just vile. You guys. Right. Vile? Yeah. Good. Is anyone? I've yet to meet anyone that likes candy corn. I really? love candy corn. I don't like eat it by the handful, but I don't dislike it. Jacob, I... there's a candle right over there. You can just take a bite out of that. And it's pretty <laughs> much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's a vanilla candle. Maybe. I don't. You, do you guys really hate candy corn that much? I mean, it's it's just. I mean, it's not for me. I'm not going to judge somebody that likes. Do it. You, I just, you like circus peanuts? No, no, no. I don't like. I don't see. I don't like those. But I can imagine that anybody that would criticize that, that doesn't like uh, candy corn would put those in the same category. Is that? Yeah. I would. Yeah, just tasteless garbage. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> tasteless. Going back garbage? to the hot it's, takes, I like it. It's, well, <sighs> All right, we gotta change the subject. My my <laughs> first movie over there. there you go. My first movie is Aladdin. <laughs> Aladdin. Oh, Aladdin. interesting. One okay. of the the live action one. <laughs> Either or. But one of the lessons you can take from Aladdin, you can reflect on, is that having a genie isn't actually that great. It's not what it's all about. Having what you want at your fingertips isn't so good. So you should be. Thankful for what you have. There you uh, go. Um, we've got that. something way better. 
<laughs> Jesus. So that's my first one. I dig it. It's a good one. I dig it. Sean, what are you watching over Thanksgiving? I'm going to have to go with Die Hard. I thought about that, actually. Is it a Christmas movie? Sure. Yeah. Any any excuse to watch Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) I know people will die die on that hill of whether it is or isn't. I don't really care if it is or isn't. It happens at Christmas time. You can't really deny it's a Christmas movie. It's also Mm -hmm. just a great, fun movie by itself. Right. Awesome. So are you a big you're a big Die Hard movie guy, huh? I wouldn't say big, but I do enjoy the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a fun movie for sure. It is a fun movie for sure. Chris, what are you watching? So I thought of like some sarcastic responses to this, but a serious answer might be it's called The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. That's like one of my favorite family movies. So yeah. I probably watch. I probably force my family to watch that with that, me. That's a Christmas movie too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think Kinda. most of them tend to be yeah. Christmas movies, right? But yeah, otherwise, like the Adams Family, I think has like a Thanksgiving scene in that one movie <laughs> you were talking about. It doesn't right? have to be a Thanksgiving movie. It's just a movie I know, to watch I know, I know. Okay, yeah, no, the family. I feel. I think my it's one of my mom's. I think my mom likes that movie. Which one? I've seen it a couple. Um, not the Adams Family Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> Um, no, the, uh, uh, family man. Yeah. That's the one where he like, he's a business guy and he yes. lives this alternate. Okay. Yeah. No, he gets to go back one. in time and see how it would have worked That's out right. with his, um, ex. And, yeah. And his daughter, yeah. like his daughter in, in the vision or whatever it is, doesn't believe that it's really him. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's a, a good, good movie. Yeah. You got to love old Nick Cage. Right. Yeah, yeah, old and new, except for well, that one with John Travolta. It was like Face Off or something like that. It was like one of the most made f- movies oh, that really? were like made fun of or something. I haven't yeah. seen that one. I haven't seen that. Yeah, one. but yeah, The Family Man's a good. It is a good one. What you got, Schwartzy? I was thinking about this. Um, my family early has two cinematic missions when it comes to Thanksgiving through New Year's, and that is Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. We watch through. We try to watch through both series, like sometime during that break but usually i think lord of the rings falls after christmas so i would say probably the first three harry potter movies and then just gear up for the next ones so director's cut for lord of the rings i wouldn't dare no it's (laughs) you wouldn't dare that's a commitment right you can ask calvin arstein about that because you just watch him eat food for like 35 minutes yeah no not the director's cut but i love the movies yeah they're very good for sure i have you have you you've read the books right i did afterwards but i didn't get through the third one because i'm like i kind of want to just watch the movie again it's tough when you've seen the movies before you've read the books it makes it hard and the third the third book you know you already know what how it's going to end yeah and so it's, like, it's oh. kind of like, come on, Tolkien, can we get there already? I, I understand that for sure. I it's like Frodo sure. just being entranced and not being able to do anything for like 150 pages. Yeah. So that's. I wish yeah. it was an exaggeration. I love the books. I love them, but that's that's not an exaggeration at all. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like another good good series would be like the 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 C.S. Lewis movies. So the. Uh, um, like Lord of the. No. Oh my gosh. I'm, <laughs> I'm a heretic. No, um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Prince Caspian, and yeah. The Voyage of the Dawn Trader. Those are all good, too. Yeah. And they're they're just fun movies to watch. And you can kind of watch them together. And they, the, those are also good because they don't build on each other. 
So you don't have to watch them in order or anything like that. You don't miss something if you watch like a middle movie. Here's a question. I tried once again to watch Mission Impossible the other day, thinking like, you know, there's so many of them. I haven't really ever watched any of them. I made it like 20 minutes, like through the glass, the, like the, the aquarium breaking, and he like jumps out the front of the belly, and that was it. I was like, I can't watch, I can't watch this. You guys enjoy Mission Impossible? Any of the Mission Impossible films? No, I don't no. get it. Wow, really? I don't oh. get it. Oh, I'm a big you, fan. Really? I, I do You're enjoy them. Fan? Yes, I think they're better than the Bond movies. Really? Yeah, because I think they're a lot more transparent about stunts and what actually goes into them and. I'm a stunt guy, so I like to see. Yeah, but you no. also don't like candy corn. <laughs> that is fair, you know? I love so, how we're like so, running about each other at the nothing, same time during this Yeah, exactly. Yeah. None of your opinions matter anymore because you don't like candy corn. Fair enough. <laughs> your judgment can't be trusted. Half of your stomach That's is just wax. So. The thing... <laughs> Keeps me thin. <laughs> like, what is it, Beverly Hills Cop, where where he said uh, he, where he makes the claim that like the average American adult American has three pounds of red meat stuck in their stuck in their di- it for a clue it's just candy corn. <laughs> his body his body just has candy corn. It just oh, won't I digest. Make so many jokes, just but I'm not even there. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So. Wasn't that a myth when we were kids? Like if you swallowed your bubble gum, it just stayed in there forever. Yeah, like seven years or whatever. Yeah, they told yeah you seven years. Yeah, <laughs> just to get us to not swallow the gum. Yeah. <laughs> see okay it's interesting that you say um that that's a plus side on the mission impossible because that's one of my favorite things about the bond series especially the older ones uh, which isn't as true with the daniel craig movies but those kind of fit in a different category too right yeah um those are a lot more in a mission impossible style um but the older bond films I, that's what i like about them is that they are ridiculous like nobody's mm. it's supposed to be imaginative like of he's he's the world's greatest spy so of course he has things that we can't really conceive you know that's fair that's fair because you looked at it something to say yeah i mean i don't know if it's if it's even similar but like between those two i'd rather just watch jason Bourne. like that was it but that's not even the same thing that i don't think well well it's similar like it's spy stuff he's like a rogue spy but i see why like you like the bond movies for that and i see why you like mission impossible and yeah to each their own Except for candy corn, but yeah. There. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. <All> right. <laughs> He's just looking at me from across the room. <laughs> yeah. I also like the lengths that they go to to make Tom Cruise look like an average height of a person because he is like... You're going to hurt me. <laughs> he's just short and in real life, he's kind of a gremlin too. So. He's like and five, Scientology. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's very short. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Jacob. I am 5'8". Oh, there you go. Two yeah. inches shorter than the American average, though. Let's point that out. But I'm taller than Tom Cruise. You are yeah. taller than Tom Cruise. There you go. So you could be a movie star, Jacob. Tom Cruise is like punching the air right now listening to this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't believe another guy's taller than me. Uh, get sued by Scientology. All right, what else are we watching over, over Thanksgiving? Anything? About time. About time. So you've talked about how much you like this movie before. What is it about this movie that you enjoy so much? I've never seen it. There are several things I like a lot about it. But in short, um, I like the plot, even though it's a little corny. So if, if you have you guys seen it, any of you? I don't think I have. It no. sounds familiar. It's but... like a 2012 British rom-com, so I wouldn't expect all of you men to have seen it. But It delights me that you love it. 
we should we should all watch it. It'd be great. Um, so the plot is this 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 guy. He has kind of a hard classic classic tropey hard time um, getting the girl right. He's kind of a nerdy lawyer, and um, then he learns the family secret, and the secret is that the men in the family can can um, go back in time. They just have to go into a room and then like close their eyes and imagine the moment they want to be back in, and then they can they can go back in time and then jump back forward too. And so, like, there's the first big scene is that he um, undoes a mistake he makes at a New Year's Eve party, right? And then he's trying to win over a girl who's who he's met over a summer, and he tries again and again, and it doesn't work. But eventually, he he lands the the woman, his wife, and, and they get married. And then um, he once his father is about to pass away, he tells him the second secret of the family, and that is to to redo every day. So the first day, you do it like normal, and then you redo the second day, not worried about what's going to happen, because you know what's going to happen, and you just live thankful and happy for what is in front of you, and you enjoy it. And then at, at the end of the movie, he says he takes his father's advice and goes one step further, and he just lives every moment in the moment and doesn't go back in time anymore. Just wanting to be thankful, the most thankful, and enjoy what he has. And I think that's a fun, fun little. Now I kind of want to watch it. Now and it, it's hilarious. It. It's yeah. We we should watch it. Okay. It's a date. We'll do it. You and me, Jacob. We'll you watch got it together. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm a rom com guy. I I I. Oh yeah. I I hate. What's your go to? P.S. I love you. You cannot beat P.S. I Love You is the quintessential rom com, right? Because be, there's there's like a real problem. It's not like this contrived like, ooh, the guy doesn't like the girl, or the girl doesn't like the guy, and that just it's a it's a worn out trope, right? So P.S. I Love You, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, right? But the, the the husband dies at the beginning of the movie, and it's her mourning, and so you get a lot of flashbacks and things like that, um, but mostly. She's just mourning him, and uh, you get to see their relationship, and then see her kind of grow and and take the next steps in life. Um, and that's a it's a it's it's a great it's a great concept for a movie. You gotta love Gerard Butler, right? He plays the classic like funny Irish guy. It's hilarious. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a good one. It's a good one. I very much enjoy that one. Yeah. The other one actually that I've enjoyed quite a bit over the years, and I don't know why this one because they're all like the Nicholas Sparks ones are all kind of like cheesy, but they're fun, you know. Um, my sister, my younger sister Laura, and I um, used to every time we would come home for like breaks or anything like that, we'd just go in the basement and watch a rom com, and sometimes, um, sometimes we would turn into like a drinking game or whatever. But more often than that, we would literally just like pause it. And especially with one we hadn't seen before, pause it and predict what was going to happen next. And you could predict oh, so, with pretty clear, yeah, like with pretty mean, high accuracy. So that we would like create these scenarios, like uh, yeah. you know how things are going to work out in the end and all that. And it'd get more and more ridiculous. And then every once in a while, like the story is actually more ridiculous than the ridiculous story that you came up with, you know, and those kinds of things. So <laughs> it, it's uh, it's more that I I do very much enjoy making fun of them also, uh, but. The good ones are just very, very good. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, last last call. Movies or things you're going to watch over. Am I the only one that goes through and, like, watches all my favorite episodes of... of so, like, at Christmas time, 
I'll watch my favorite episodes of like my favorite Christmas episodes of Psych, or I go back and watch like Christmas episodes for different shows. Am I the only one that does that? Yeah, I guess I do I it am. sometimes. You do it sometimes. Yeah. Psych is a good one. The Office has some good yeah. Christmas episodes as well. Well, I was thinking, I, I don't know if there's any shows that have a ton of like Thanksgiving episodes. I've never tried before to see if there's Thanksgiving episodes, but I bet there are. Yeah, I bet there are. It'd be worth doing some research. All right, we're coming down to the uh, time the time limit here, so. Let's jump ahead one more time. This time we're going to do the gospel reading. This was a little bit longer, um, but uh, it comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Should we split this one up? Let's split this one up. Um, Tex, you going to read? Chris Dean, Chris to Ryan 40. Dean. 36 to, to 40 or what? Yeah, why don't you read 36 to 40, and then uh, Sean, have you read? Yeah, you read already. Yeah? No? Maybe. No, I didn't. Okay, do you mind reading uh, 40 to 45, and then I'll read the last four? That cool? Sounds good. All right, go ahead. All right. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned about he was learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing between him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him, answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water to my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say, I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now I feel obligated to point out uh, what Professor Geiger pointed out when we went through this uh, a while back in, in Isagogics. Um, the idea that um, she, her sins, it's not that her sins are forgiven because um, she loved well. It's the opposite. Because her sins are forgiven, she loves well, right? Um, I like to imagine every once in a while what it would be like if Jesus just walked in a room. Right? Now, obviously, I never imagine that like when I'm doing something I know I shouldn't be doing, which maybe I should, right? Uh, when I'm about to do something I know I shouldn't be doing, just imagine Jesus walks into the room. And obviously, Jesus is omnipresent, right? Our Father is omnipresent. But um, sometimes I, I just like to think about that, and I would I would talk about that with my second graders. I think often too when I was a teacher. What would you do if Jesus walked into the room? 
And uh, part of the reason I say that is we have an example here of what this woman did when she found out Jesus was there, right? She understands what she's been forgiven. She understands her guilt. She understands what forgiveness means. And so her immediate response is to go fall at his feet weeping and anoint him. Like the greatest honor she can that she could possibly give him, right? I like to say I don't I don't have that it's easy to to say uh it's easy to say and and you never really know what the answer would be, right? But I I just imagine a big big burly man hug, you know. I would probably cry. I'm a crier. But just a big old a big old burly man hug. What do you think? What would you do if you met Jesus? Like Jesus just walked the he just walked into the room. And and he wasn't like in all of his glory. Right? He found out that Jesus in his humiliated state was gonna was just walking through the dorms. What would you do? Well, I think the first thing I would do is what we just did. I would be silenced. I'd be shocked. Be quiet. And then, this is appropriate for Thanksgiving, I'd probably just mutter out, stagger out through tears a thank you and not know what else to say. Yeah, what else can you really say, you know? Right. Probably, I'm sorry, and I'm not worthy, you know, all that, (laughs) but... Definitely, I'd say thank you more than anything for sure. Well, and one of the things I notice here is she doesn't, she isn't recorded of having said anything, right? She just comes weeping and begins to yeah. wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. It's, it's everybody else that's talking about the situation. She doesn't say a yeah. word, she just She's falls speechless. at his feet. Yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 It's a pretty poignant parable, too, right? The mm. idea that uh, one who has been forgiven much will love much. One who's been forgiven little loves little. Right? The greater the greater our guilt, the greater the, yeah. the love that we have for the people around us, right? And who of us hasn't been forgiven a great... Who of us hasn't been forgiven a great, uh, a great debt? It's a blessing to be convicted of sin for many reasons. But one of those is so that you might thank God. Yeah, for sure. And we've got a lot of other things to be thankful for, obviously. But none of those would matter if it wasn't for that gift. Yeah. It really flips a script of how transactional and how numbers-based of a world we live in where it's like everyone, whether you're Christian or not, is like minimize the bad and maximize the good. But here Jesus is like, that's not how it works with me you know and yeah it's just another example of just mind-blowing unexpectedness but but grace and forgiveness yeah yeah we like to think we deserve something right like i've been i've been pretty good or the opposite i've been so bad yeah right you know yeah. And it's, it's amazing how fast we flip-flop back and forth between those two things right like yeah. one moment i'm right here like oh man I'm like I deserve better than this. Like I'm a good person, and the next moment it's like, oh, I am. How how could God possibly love me? Right? And you just yeah. boomerang back and forth between the two. 
It's like how Luther calls the human heart a drunken peasant on a horse. How, as soon as Luther, Luther did have his way of saying things. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. It. And so you, you prop up the peasant with forgiveness so he doesn't fall off to the, to the left. And then he falls off to the right and becomes <laughs> yeah. arrogant. And then you pick him back up and put him on the horse. And then he's no longer arrogant. Ugh. And then he looks at his sin and then falls off in despair. <laughs> you just have this yeah. pride and despair, you know. Going, yeah. yeah it's making it. me think of like what it would be like to meet Martin Luther. <laughs> like, how would that go? Like have a beer with Luther, you know? <laughs> It'd be but wild, I think. It would be very wild. It depends be, on which point in his life, too, that's right? That's true. That's you true. Know? I bet he liked candy corn. Oh. Definitely a fan of candy corn. He's a man of culture, so he would have enjoyed candy corn. Do you not? Do you? Un, you don't even season your chicken. I bet. Uh, what does that have to do with candy just, corn? You're First talking of all, about I candy do corn my is, chicken. We'll just we'll just leave it as, as it is. But mm. yeah. <laughs> How is um, sa- it's not the same thing, man. Savory. Chicken's savory. True. Sweet candy corn is sweet. Candy corn might as well be savory. Like, what sweetness is it actually offering? Where do you buy your candy corn? Yeah, you must not be eating good candy corn. You need better candy corn. I, I've eaten it too much. Oh, maybe maybe you're oversaturated with candy corn. See, he used to be a candy corn lover, a candy corn addict even. I do like candy, over, but he it has betrayed me. in candy corn. You have a bad candy corn experience, don't I you? I hope not. Oh, no. I you do got not. One in well, past. all of them are bad. It's, but it's so bad that he, he can't even particularly stand out. That's crazy that, like, it's so outlandish to think that I'm the only one. Or, yeah, I do, oh, I, do right. have, yeah. I do have one, but, like, I feel like it's a popular opinion that candy corn is objectively bad. See, that's what I thought, too. And I'm trying to, like, you know, I'm trying to be cool with y'all and not do that. You know, not judge y'all for liking candy corn. But I've just always heard that what he said. Like, it's always a joke that candy corn has always been, like, something no one likes. So, hey, you know, it it's is what it is. It's not fruitcake. It's candy corn. Hold on, Charlie. You're old enough to understand this. Did you eat the wax bottle that the little colored liquid came in? Well, you chew on it. You don't swallow it. Okay. Sean's the same age as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but his back doesn't hurt. Does your back hurt? Depends on the day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For me, it's well, the I make knees. That joke too. I just wake up when I wake up in the morning. And it's just. My knee will hurt for no reason. Then I say, oh, I must have slept work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, you can't tell me you don't have aches and pains. I really don't, though. I mean, as of right now, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I do. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've never had any crazy injuries. I mean, I broke my arm. But, like, knee problems, no. Back pain, no. It must I'm be the blessed. candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> The common denominator. <laughs> I love Must that. be the That's candy amazing. corn. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Klug and I are going to go enjoy our candy corn on Thanksgiving. You're going to watch the, what's the movie called? About Time. About We're going to go buy About a bag time. of candy corn you are. and after, sit on the couch together and eat candy corn and watch About Time. After Pumpkin Chunkin'. After Pumpkin oh, yeah. Chunkin'. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I'm about to go down that rabbit hole Do very it. deep. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those things go like two miles. Well, I, I think. mean, you can make like a minute. You can make <laughs> like, like a potato miles. cannon and then shoot many five thousand feet. <laughs> it's an imperative. Shush. I'm no longer thankful for any of you. Well, thankful, Sean. 
but Sean, rip him. Come on, <laughs> do it. <laughs> he's too good of a guy. He's too, he's good too of a, great. He's too kind. Oh. Just too kind. Awesome. Well, thanks guys for being on the show. Um, we will put. Uh, anything that these guys are willing to give as far as uh, contact information we'll put that down in the show notes below otherwise you can find the Gird Up Podcast at uh, well you already found the Gird Up Podcast you can find uh, the website at www.girdup.com uh, you can find us on Instagram at um, oh boy Gird Up underscore B underscore A underscore man my mom runs that Instagram account by the way so if you yeah. want to send her some dank memes that she'll enjoy that um, for sure she liked the one I sent her the you other did. day. Yeah, she yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Shout out to my mother. Um, she's just taking that off my plate for me, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. I was spending too much time on social media, so now I don't. Yeah. I handed it off to her, and she's doing a cool job with it. Um, otherwise, God's blessings on your Thanksgiving. Gentlemen, like I said, thanks for joining us. Um, everybody who's listening, God bless you. Travel safe, and go be the men that God created you to be. We'll talk to you during the Christmas and Advent season in a couple of weeks. Ciao. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.